So good to see all of you here today, and we didn't have a time change this week, and so a lot more in first service this week. Funny how that happens. We're in John 15, if you want to turn to that. Before I do, I just want a big shout out to uh, Scott Waters, and uh, let's see who else, Sarah Henry, and... um, who else? Who did I have? Pat Forsyth, and Scott Strom, and Jordan, and Jason Hubner for doing breakout sessions last week, and um, on the, on on how to share your faith, how to share the good news of Jesus. So, some of you wanted to hear some of the other folks, and you didn't get to go to all of them. We didn't have time to do that. You know, I'm gonna go ahead and volunteer those folks that if you ever want to hear how they do it. Uh, all you got to do is ask them. They'll be glad to share that with you. They're like me, I think, in that they'd be glad to share with anyone how to share the good news so that we can get the word of Jesus Christ out. You know, we did that because of John 14, 6. You remember what John 14, 6 says? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It also says in Acts chapter 4, verse 12, Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. There is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. And so that's why we are so mm, intense about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, I remember Andy Stanley had a sermon called... um, Something like, will good people, will good people go to heaven? And he talked about how that we we'd like to make allowances for good people that maybe are in other faith systems or all that. But if we take the Bible as God's revealed word to us, we can't do that. We can't do that. And that go, that's threaded all through the Bible. It goes back to it, well, it goes back before that, but in the Ten Commandments, thou shalt have no other gods before me. And as you go through, as you trace it through the Old Testament, you see that the God of Israel was the only God. You get to the New Testament and you have Acts 17 where where the Apostle Paul is on on Mars Hill. And there's, there's all these idols out there and Paul says, God does not live in temples and he's not served by human hands. He's basically saying, you're not really worshiping God. And then there's just the fact that all the faith systems are very different. And people say, well, maybe, maybe somehow Christ is in some other faith system. And I'm like, Christ wouldn't be in the other faith systems. He couldn't be, because they're not grace-based. They're always works-based, and that's never going to work. And what they believe about the origin of life and about the destiny of man, about heaven, about the future, they're... They're very different. So don't ever blink, okay? Don't ever blink when you point people to Jesus Christ. Don't ever, don't ever soften that. That is the truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one, no one comes to the Father except by me. John 15 today, we are working our way through the last words of Jesus. We saw John 13, John 14, today we're in John 15, then we're going to do, you're right, 16 and 17, 
in the next couple weeks. And this is all preparing us for Easter. These are the words that Jesus spoke to his disciples the last night before he went to the cross. And last words are often lasting words. They are significant words to us. I, don't have, I can't cover all of chapter 15. I'm gonna look at, we're going to look today at the first eight verses. Jesus, the, the, the master communicator, takes something very simple here today, and he makes it come alive. I hope you've been reading this week in John 15. He takes something and makes it come alive. I, you know, I was thinking back to John 13, where Jesus was washing the disciples' feet, and I, I got a feeling that his disciples never saw a towel and basin again in the same way. That every time they saw that, it, it came back to them. And with the wine and the bread, and I think if not every time, frequently, they would think back to when he broke the bread and drank the wine. And today, today, I don't think they're ever going to see a vineyard and think the same thing again. I don't think they're ever going to see a grapevine and think about it in the same way again. John 15, let's look at the first four verses. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. We're going to stop there for now. In the last verse of chapter 14, he says, Come now, let us leave. And what's happening there is they're leaving the upper room. They're making their way through the streets of Jerusalem, through Kidron Valley, and up the western slope of the Mount of Olives. And so if you can imagine in your mind's eye this morning all these vineyards, all these grapevines on the side of the hill, and Jesus going over and grasping one of these grapevines. Now, this is not a new metaphor. This is a metaphor that's been used all through the Bible, uh, all through Scripture. Uh, Israel was depicted as a vine planted by God to bear fruit for him. And then we have places in the Bible in Hosea, Psalm 80, Isaiah 5, where instead of good fruit, he found sour grapes and dried up grapes, and he condemns them for that. In verse 1, he says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. Again, in verse 5, we're going to see, I am the vine, and you are the branches. So he's saying, I am the true vine, in contrast to a false one. The Father is the gardener, and you and I, believers today, to the disciples then, but to us, we are the branches. Now, I don't want to get too complicated in this. Jesus is pretty straightforward. People plant grapevines for one purpose to grow grapes to produce fruit that, that's the only real reason that you would plant those they're, they're not a shrubbery nobody you know you don't drive by somebody's house and you see in front their front yard in front of their house for shrubbery they have grapevines you just maybe some of you I haven't ever seen any anyway I don't think anybody does that but the point of raising of having a grapevine is to grow grapes and, and that's what we're going to see in this passage. In verse 2, he talks about that you would be more fruitful. And again, in verses 5 and 8, that there, you would bear much fruit. And in verse 16, which we won't get to today, but hang on to this thought, this thought. He wants us to have fruit that will last. Fruit that will last. 
So in this text, what we're going to see, the key to fruitfulness is remaining in Christ. And eight times in the first ten verses, he talks about remaining in Christ. And we can't, we can't talk about remaining in Christ without going back to the verb that's used all through the Gospel of John, which is the verb to believe. And if you've heard me preach very long, you know I always try to break that out because we believe today is just kind of an intellectual agreement. Believe in John's gospel and in the New Testament is a, is a stronger word than that. It is a word that means to commit to something, to yield to something, to surrender to something. And so remaining in Christ, the only way you remain in Christ is you have to be in Christ. And the way that you're in Christ is through true belief, yielding your life to God. And that's what the Bible talks about when in John 3 it talks about being born again. So we remain in Christ. Verse 2 says, He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, He prunes so it may be more fruitful. I want to camp on this for a minute. The activity of the gardener here is twofold. He cuts off every fruitless branch. He prunes fruit-bearing branches so they will be more fruitful. Now, some people interpret this in different ways. Some people think that the unfruitful then lose their salvation. Well, I don't believe that because I think there's enough verses in the, other, in the Bible that assure us that that's not going to happen. Uh, John 10 being one where it says that no one can pluck you out of the Father's hand. And I don't even think we can pluck ourselves. And since we're not saved by our works, I don't think we're kept by works. Remember what it says in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, all our wannas know this verse. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, so no one can boast. So what is this verse talking about in verse 2 in our text this morning? He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit and prunes other branches. I think this passage is frequently misunderstood, and I think, if I could humbly say so here, I think the translators haven't done us a favor. Um, a lot of times ministers like to go back to the Hebrew and the Greek and say, you know, this and whatever. And a lot of times it just says what's already there. This time, this time understanding the original language is beneficial. The, the verb that's used in, in verse 2 is translate, translated cuts off in the NIV. It's translated takes away in the King James Version. It's the Greek word arrow, which means to lift up, to take up, or to pick up. That's, that's an entirely different idea. This, this verb that's used here, this arrow, is the same verb that was used earlier in John's gospel, in John 8, 59, when it says the religious leaders of Jesus' day didn't like what he said, and so they went out and they arrowed stones because they were going to stone him. Same word. It's the same word that's used in Mark chapter 16 when it talks about that they will arrow snakes. You know that passage where it talks about they will take up snakes and they'll not die? That's another whole sermon, my snake handling sermon. I'll do that another week. Some of you promised to assist me that Sunday. I'm looking forward to it. So arrow has the idea of picking up, taking up, not cutting off. And this really changes how we see this passage. So what if instead of cutting off the unfruitful, what if the gardener comes and he picks up the vines 
and he, and he ties them to a pole or to a trellis so that the, they can grow grapes and they can hang freely and they get sunlight and they get air and they prosper. Entirely different perspective, a lot more positive perspective really to us, a word of encouragement to us that he draws us close to the vine. And, and this seems to me to be consi- consistent with the redemptive work of the Father in Luke 15, the one who looks for the lost sheep and the lost coin and the lost son. The second part of this verse, he talks about pruning the, unfra- the, the, uh, the fruitful here. And the word that's used there, the Greek word helps us again, katharizo means to cleanse or make clean or purify. It's the word we get Uh, catharsis from so I think this was talking about cleaning the vine of everything that's detrimental any insects and and dirt and moss so visualize with me that you're the you're the gardener and so you come and you lift up the vines off of the ground so that the grapes can hang freely and not rot on the ground when they get wet and you come in and you cleanse the vines you get the dust from the rain if they're laying down in the dust they get dust on them and then when it rains they mildew and so he takes care of that so God's in the business of cleaning us up we learned that in chapter 13 where he talked to to Peter about washing their feet. God is in the business of, and this is part of the normal Christian life. Part of the normal Christian life is as we live, we realize that we are not living sinlessly. And as God puts his finger in the conviction of the Holy Spirit upon us, we confess those sins and we cleanse ourselves and we keep moving forward. That is the model of normal Christian living. So, A little history, in Palestine, vineyards are pruned twice a year, once after the harvest is over and again when the new growth comes. The first pruning takes care of those dead branches, those things that are useless. And the second one, the second one prunes away some of the growth. Because remember the goal of grapevines, it's not to grow luscious green leaves, it's to produce grapes. So let's think about this. God trims away dead branches. Can you think about that? That that happens in our life. The things that are not helpful in our lives. The sin in our lives. The habits. The addictions. The attitudes of selfishness and pride and anger and laziness or whatever it is. He prunes that away. But it says here, he also prunes away the pretty green leaves in our lives. So we can do something that's even better. The green leaves are not bad. They're not dead. They're just not important. Maybe things, you know, I think there's a great analogy for us here in that these are the kinds of things that are just not the goal. There are things that are trivial. The things that are temporary. They are misplaced priorities. Bruce Wilkinson said, His purpose for you is to cut away immature commitments and lesser priorities to make room for even greater abundance for His glory. Immature commitments, lesser priorities. I was thinking about this, and I, and I allude to this a lot because I think it's... I've, I've, I've concluded that America is soil number three of the four soils that we have in Mark chapter 4. 
the 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 thorny soil the the that choke out the plant and it talks there about the worries of this life the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things and i'm like that's america that's america that's where we live and so i think there's the there's the bad sinful things and i think if you have the holy spirit living within you he is really faithful at pointing those things out to us but i think what happens to us is some of these some of these lesser priorities sometimes get more playtime in our lives than they should we get deceived by other things and 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 these are competitors for the greater good it's things like the your career advancement it's things like hobbies that dominate your life it's the quest for more money and more material possessions and sometimes i think it's as trivial as facebook and texting and whatever addiction obsession you have that maybe is not purely wrong in itself but is less than the very best when they when they steal our hearts our first love a good god a good god prunes those things out of our lives not to cheat you but to bring you to a better place psalm 5:7 says you have filled my heart with greater joy than when their grain and new wine abound. And what he's saying here is that when we live in community with God, in true relationship with God, he, he fills us with a joy that's better than material blessing, than earthly wealth. Back to John 15, let's do verses 5 through 8. I think we can get through that today. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he's like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. That's pretty harsh language. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask what you wish and it will be given to you. That's amazing language. This is my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. Let's work through this. He's saying, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Remain in me, and you'll bear much fruit. And then one of my favorite verses, apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, apart from me, you can do nothing. And I think a lot of times people say, well, I can, I can do something. I can push back on that. Well, hear what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. But each one should be careful how he builds. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Christ Jesus. Hear me, what we build without God and the foundation is not going to last. That's what he's talking about. Without me, you can do nothing. So in every area of our lives, not just church on Sunday, we build on the found. If we're believers in Christ, we build on the foundation of Jesus. It should shape our family life. It should shape our financial life. It should shape our hobbies. What we do in our spare time, that should all have the very same foundation. You know, 
Lots of people build a lot of things. But I don't think they're going to last. Only the things that God built on the foundation of God is going to last. Verse 6, if anyone does not remain in me, is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. And I don't want to go into this too deeply, but you know, some people read this, and they're, again, they, they bring in things like you lose your salvation, or you never had your salvation. Some people even read this as what he's saying about Judas Iscariot. But the passage is about fruitfulness. It's about fruitfulness. And I think it goes back, and I think we can parallel it with the 1 Corinthians 3 passage I alluded to. 1 Corinthians 3, 14 and 15 says, If what he built survives, he will receive his reward. If it is burned up, he will suffer loss. He himself will be saved, but only as one escaping through the flames. So that passage talks about, that's the wood, hay, stubble passage. You remember that? And the precious stones and gold and stuff, the things that are going to last. And so I think it's talking about our fruitfulness through God. It's not talking about your salvation. But it's talking about the things we do for God. Are they, are they really for God? Or are they just for us? Verses 7 and 8. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. Now, Pastor, what are you going to do with that? Ask, did you hear what it said? Ask whatever you wish. Ask whatever you wish. Well, I think we have to read the qualifiers. Do you, you see what it qualified it with, the first part? If, if you remain in me and my words remain in you. If you're living in relationship, intimate relationship with Jesus Christ, if you're living in communi community with him, in union with him, if you are living in obedience to God, those are the qualifiers. Uh, my pastor friend back in South Carolina, Reverend Phil Thrillkill, dealt with this passage, and he said it so well, I'm just going to quote him today. Abiding in the relationship that Christ offers as a gift transforms me from the inside out. I find myself desiring what he desires. What he desires, there should be an S on that. Both for myself and others. I begin to see life through his eyes. We learn the mind of Christ, and when we pray out of this new center, it is easy for God to answer our prayers. Prayer is not so much about us getting what we want, but about God so infusing us with the life of Christ that we begin to desire and pray for what God wants to come to pass. God is looking for people who will pray, Thy will, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done, here and now, as in heaven already. At that point, God gives us a blank check. Ask what you will, and it will be done for you. End of quote. You see, I, I think it's, you, you, can't, you, can't, you can't take this passage out of context and just read it without realizing that we have to remain in him, his words have to remain in us, and as we align more and more and more 
with the mind of Christ, then the way we pray and the way we live lines up with him. And so we don't ask for stupid things or silly things, okay? That passage isn't, oh, Lord, give me $5 million. That's not what this passage is, you know? You're taking that out of context. It's, Lord, I want to align myself with you so much that I'm thinking as much as a human being can. I'm thinking like you think. I'm seeing what you see. And I want what you want. That's what this passage means. That's the only way we can read it. Let's wrap this up. I, I need to talk a little bit. Since it's talking about fruitfulness by remaining, I need to at least give you some ideas about fruit. And I want to just say that this is a, this is a great exercise for you in your personal devotions when you're, you're going through this or in life group tonight or tomorrow night or Wednesday night or whenever your life group meets when you're going through this. This is a great exercise to talk about what is fruit. I'm going to give you some ideas. This is not a comprehensive list. This is just some ideas. I think one thing that, that, that's fruit is our Christian character. We learn this from Galatians 5, 22 and 23. It says specifically, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That is Christian character in our lives. We've talked about bringing people to Christ. We talked about that last week. So bringing other people to Christ, that is fruit for God. And I think in a general sense, we can say that good works that we do in the name of Christ, that we build on the foundation of Christ, in a very generic sense, all of those things are fruit for God. Jesus talked about this in Matthew 12. Make a tree good and its fruit will be good, or make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad, for a tree is recognized by its fruit. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him, and the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored in him. So I think in a, in a, very, a very general sense, fruit for God is anything that God can put his imprimatur upon, can put his stamp of approval upon. It's like sometimes you buy a, uh, I don't know if they do this anymore, but I remember you used to would buy a shirt or a jacket or something, and you'd be feeling in the pocket, and you'd, you'd pull out a little piece of paper on there, and it'd say, uh, approved by inspector number 10 or whatever. I don't know if any of you ever remember doing that. I have through the years. And, and so... Good works are the things that have been inspected and approved by God. That he can put his stamp on and said, this is A-OK. -okay. USD certified or whatever that is. They stamp that purple stuff on the edge of your steak, you know, when they stamp the meat. Except it's God's stamp. This comes, we bear fruit by remaining. One, one last word about remaining. What does it mean to remain? Well, step one is to be in Christ, remember? But it's about your union with Christ being the most important friendship you have in your life. So hear me today. I, it doesn't, it's, 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 not a, it's not a tenure kind of thing. I know some people who have believed in Jesus Christ a long time ago and I look at their lives and they are not living they are not living in an intimate relationship with Christ they are not close to Christ you could see it in their life by their fruit and I know some other people who are young believers who haven't been in the faith very long and their lives are very fruitful for God because they understand this that it is living in relationship 
with God. A good parallel passage to this is going to be Galatians chapter 5 where it talks about walking in the Spirit, living in the Spirit. That's what it's talking about here. So I think remaining in Christ means just that. It means a 24-7 God awareness and God sense in your life. It's not just church on Sunday. You know, it's, it's, it's not Sunday clothes that you put on, come to church, go home and take it off. It, that is not it. A couple examples. Brother Andrew from the 17th century, lay Christian who worked in a monastery kitchen. Some of you read some of his works. He said this, I do nothing else but abide in his holy presence, and I do this by simple attentiveness and a habitual loving turning of my eyes on him, this I call a wordless and secret conversation between the soul and God, which never ends. It's God awareness. Whether you're a school teacher or a nurse or accountant, whether you're a cowboy or a farmer, it doesn't matter. It's that God awareness in your life. I read, okay, I read something a little more contemporary. A mother of four, okay, ladies, can you relate to this? She wrote this, I'm putting away groceries and the kids are tearing through the house screaming. I can be a little frazzled. (laughs) But inside I'm saying, Jesus, you are here with me, in me, around me. Thank you for food and for noisy kids. I'm not always successful at this, but I try to take Jesus with me wherever I go. We keep each other constant company. Constant company. You see, I think that's the goal for us. Whether it's the the brother, Brother Lawrence idea of a wordless conversation, if it's this frazzled mother's idea of constant company, that he's with you, I think that's it. I think, I think that's... And, and so there's that, that kind of tuned in with God. So then, 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 we, we tend to stay on a path that is honoring to God. And we're a lot more attuned to hear His voice when we're, we're getting off. If we're living in this constant conversation on our, on our pathway of life, kind of makes sense that that's the goal that that's living in the spirit well i don't do it perfectly i don't know that i know no one does it perfectly but that's what john 15 1 through 8 is talking about in remaining in the vine and that's what galatians 5 talks about when it talks about living in the spirit So when we talk about having a relationship with Jesus, a lot of times people want to go back and say, well, I was you know, saved when I was 14. I yielded my life to Christ. And, and that's great. Hear me. That was just the beginning. There's a whole world. There's a whole world of life with God that he intends for us to live and live and live. And then one day we die and die. And when we die, it's just a doorway into heaven because death has been arrested, right? Death has been arrested and it's just a doorway into the presence of the true and living God. 
where it just gets better and better. So, Christian character, bringing others to faith, good works, and then you can think of some more things in your life groups of what it means. What are good, what are, what's fruit for God? You know, sometimes I, uh, I, I get to go to the hospital and see a new baby, and I, I love that. That's my, I, I love that. It's, uh, in fact, you know, we have a younger church. I probably do that more than go to see sick people, just to be honest, in the hospital. I get to see babies pretty regularly. We have a we have a fruitful church. <laughs> what can I say? So I get to go see new babies. And, you know, people are always saying, you know, they, you know, people say, well, who does he look like? Who does she look like? And I'm like, they don't look like anybody. They look like a little baby. I mean, maybe, I'm, I know, I know all of you can see all those nuances. He's got his mother's nose. He's got his father's ears, uh, you know, or whatever it is. You see, you see all these nuances. I don't see that. But, you know, a lot of times, then as they start growing, you start seeing that. Well, you know, he, he's the spitting image of his dad. He looks just like his mom. She looks like his, her mom. I, I mean, I think that's, this, is, this is kind of the picture, is we should look more and more like our Savior. As we remain in Christ, as we walk with Him, as we live in obedience to His Word, as we remain in Him, our lives should become more like Jesus. We should look more like Him. So when you see something in your life that doesn't look like Jesus, it's not proof for God. Get back on the path. We've gotten off the path when that happens. May the Lord help us. Let's stand for our closing prayer. As always, if you have questions about your next step in your spiritual journey, we'd love to chat with you about that. Father, thank you for being a good God who lifts us up, who brings to mind the things in our lives that are pretty but useless. Give us a sense of your leading so that we pour our lives into your priorities help us to remain in you 24 7 live in awareness with you walk in the spirit constant prayer constant company wordless conversation help us in jesus name amen